This is the John Muzo Leadership Podcast. Glad to have you guys today. With me today, I have Pastor Jim Graff from Faith Family Church in Victoria, Texas. You all have been pastoring there for 27 years. It's quite a story. Uh, most people don't know that, uh, that you grew up about 20 minutes or so from Cranberry Township. So we have a lot in common as far as our, our heritage and as far, as far as being Steelers fans as well. Absolutely. You know, yeah. so sadly, some people listening are not Steelers fans. And uh, we know there are no Patriots fans because they're not allowed to get the podcast. Well, that's, that's why I'm on. Right. <laughs> okay, so, but, uh, Jim, you've had such an influence with your life, with uh, not just in your church and in your community, which has just been remarkable. What, what God has done at Faith Family in, in Victoria, and you guys have just experienced the, the onslaught of, the, of floods and, uh, from, from the hurricane, and people were just, their lives were decimated. And I know some of these list, some of the listeners may have actually sent monies to either help you all or other churches in Texas or or in Florida to help in their areas. But but the way you've lived your life, you and your wife Tamara, uh, is not only about what you've done in your city, but you all have worked diligently to to serve churches around the country and around the world for that matter. And so the significant church network, what you founded, is about helping those in ministry in overlooked areas. And, and helping them to understand how significant they are. And so uh, based on all of that, and we, we could probably do three podcasts just on your story because your church is, is reaching what percentage of your county go to attend or are part of your church? Between 4 and 5% of our county. So that would be 1 in 20 to 25 homes are active members. That means they, wow. they're not just on the roll, but they actually come to, you know, two, three services a month. It's amazing. And how many people are in the county? 85,000. That's amazing. And uh, and I, having been to Victoria, it it it's it's a nice sized town, but then it there's nothing outside of it. No, we are about a hundred miles from Corpus, Austin, yeah. Houston, any major city. And driving in between some of those, I mean, it's utterly desolate. It's yeah. what it looked yeah. like to me. Yeah, I mean, you've got just little towns and gas yeah. stations and post yeah. offices. Yeah, but yeah. tiny little places. It wasn't. Right. So it's right. not like a metroplex. No, you no. know. So the influence has been remarkable. And but in ministry. All of us face things, personal lives, our families, our marriages, things that our kids are going through, whether they're little. As I'm finding out as my kids get older into their 20s, boy, those decisions are so much more weighty. And so all of us, all of us want to, to do God's work in our life and fulfill his plan. But, but we'd like our stress levels to decrease rather than increase. And I think if anybody's done this any length of time, they've had that backwards. I know I have. So talk to us a little bit about that issue and how you've processed it and some advice you'd give the, the listener. Yeah, we all have different temperaments, but I think for most pastors, there's a strong achiever in you. Uh, and then being a pastor, if you feel like you're doing it for God, how bad's that feel if you let him down? You know, So right. it's easy for stress levels to come up really, really high. The Apostle Paul gave us a wonderful uh, cure for that in Romans chapter 1, verse 1. He said, I'm Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ... I'm called to be an apostle, and I'm separated under the gospel of God. So I think decreasing your stress level starts with being a servant of Jesus Christ, because if you serve too many other things in your life, the stress levels are going to come. If you serve more than he's calling you to do, sometimes you meet pastors and they're serving what God's called them to do in 10 and 15 years, getting all stressed over that. But right. Jesus said, my yoke's easy and my burden's light. So I think your daily quiet time 
is the greatest reliever of stress that you have as a person, that all he asks you to do is wake up today and serve him to the best of your capability. Then when you serve him, when you're a servant of Jesus Christ, you're called to be something. And I found that a lot of people get uh, anxious, they get worried about the call, they live with the level of confusion, they live too driven about the call. Yes. But again, the call is just being a servant of Jesus and doing what he tells you to do. And then Paul said the most important thing, that is, and I streamlined my life. He said, I'm separated under the gospel. That word separated means I have boundaries. Yes. I know what to exclude, I know what to include in my life. And so many people live their life either driven or they drift. Yes. And it's really having God's design for your life that is the greatest reliever of stress that there is. And don't you think that even those of us that, that live driven lives, if you do it too long, you actually set yourself up to drift? And Because I find myself doing both extremes. When I've, when I've done that wrongly, as, as you've shared, that, I, that I, in a sense almost there's a, a wearing out that happens. And then I can't concentrate. Then I can't focus. And then I seem to drift. And, and when you have a passion to do something for God and for people, and now you feel like, I can't even focus on this, it's like a double whammy, you yeah. know? Yeah, I've seen some really, really good pastors fall into sin they never thought they'd fall into. Yeah. Now, most guys don't do that, obviously, but most guys will have a season of their life that they regret. Yes. And when they go back and they say, okay, why did I go through regret in that season? Almost every time it's what you're talking about. That somebody with a great heart, somebody with a pure heart, somebody that loves Jesus with all of their heart, things start getting tough and the pressure mounts. And pretty soon, we a lot of times we go back to the stress reliefs we had before we were believers. Right. So whatever it was, you know, that's why it's good with your children. The Bible says, be excellent at what's good and innocent of evil. The more yes. you keep your kids innocent of evil, the less of those stress relievers the yes. enemy has to take them back to. Yes. So, but, but yeah, it happens to the best of people. You know, when I think in terms of, of, of building his church and, and cooperating and laboring with God to do that, it seems like a, it's, it's an overwhelming task. And wanting to do that with all your heart, by definition, if you don't do it his way, it's going to bring stress into your life. Uh, I know the way you think, watching, working with you, serving in your organization, uh, how strategic you are which requires deep thought. And, but what I've also noticed and heard you say, and I didn't mean to, I wasn't gonna ask you this, but I think this is important, is you have a, a, a strategy for your life where you, so many weeks you do this, and then so many weeks you do this, so many weeks you do that. There's a, 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 there's a it's, a, it's a, almost to me, it sounds like a forced balance. And I'm assuming that came from a place maybe of imbalance, and that's what caused you to do it. Could you maybe talk just a little bit about the stress that came maybe from being too focused or whatever that might be. And then where did that come from? And explain that a little bit, because that's that really has inspired Michelle and I to do some of those same practices. Now, I've not done it as well as we've wanted, but it's better than not having done it at all. So could you, could you speak to that just for a few minutes? Yeah. What happened to us, just like you uh, laid out just a minute ago, is the first year of our church, the church doubled, but I wanted to get out of ministry. Wow. Because I was doing everything I needed to do, then I was a people pleaser who was trying to do all the things that people were asking me to do, too. Mm -hmm. And I was raised by a really good father. I mean, he was there for me like your father. He coached mm -hmm. me. I never doubted one day whether I was loved or cared for as a kid. 
And so I really had internal struggles about whether I could be the kind of husband and father that I envisioned myself being. So I thought about going back to law school, to be honest, John. And I went to see a very successful seasoned pastor who also happened to be my father-in-law. Yeah. And Most people are unaware who your father-in-law is. Yeah. And so uh, some will know, but your father-in-law, of course, was the late John Osteen. Yeah, the late John Osteen. And I'll never forget talking to him. And obviously part of that, he had a high buy-in because my wife was his daughter and yeah. my children were his grandchildren. But he looked at me and he said, Jim, why don't you just do it right? He said, just do it right. <laughs> And it's how simple it's <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, he's famous for those little lines that are like, wow. you said that with a smile and you act like I can do it, but that's going to be hard. <laughs> going to be really hard. So, anyway, that, as you said, you know, we do have to think deeper sometimes. And so then I just went to God's word and I began to look at the pattern in God's word that he gave us. And he gave us the Sabbath, which means every day. We're to rest from our labors and really recreate. You can't create unless you're recreated as a person. Mm -hmm. So I really look at the Sabbath very much as a recreate time. And the things that I need to do to just to have fun and to to get recreated, that's what I do. Some people, their hobby becomes more stress if they're not right, careful. Right, sure. but, but I'm just getting recreated. Whatever I'm doing, I may watch a movie. I may uh, go sit by the river with my wife and talk for a while. We may go out of town and eat at a restaurant. I may call a friend. It's just recreation. And then something I saw was that God had them celebrate the new moon every month. And the new moon festival was a festival of praise. And he gave them an extra day. So we started doing that. We just decided we wanted to live our life in the spiral of praise. Because the Bible says if you don't serve God with joy, then you're going to end up serving your enemy. Yeah, yeah. So those are the two big things for us that we have. We have the, the weekly Sabbath. We have the monthly extra. If we want to jump in the car and just go have mm -hmm. fun together, we're going to do it. And then uh, God did give them festival weeks. So mm -hmm. I think it's important that you have vacation times. So for us, we spend a day a week, we spend an extra day a month, and then we have a spring prayer break, we have a fall prayer, uh, prayer break, and we have a winter and a summer vacation. And I can tell you I'm not even close to burned out. And I have wow. been yes. uh, you know, early, and that did bring me to what I'm, what I'm doing today. But I love the balance. I feel like you know. I feel like I could go thirty more years if, if yes. my flesh, you know, can hold out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, with you know, because you think strategically, you would go to the Word of God and come up with something like that. Someone like me, I would read the Bible for a million years, and that would never, it would never be that clear to me. I think one of the values of of, of learning from one another and gaining from one another and the and the, and the different graces, the multifaceted grace of God. It is not just from heaven to earth, but upon people. Is that instead of me having to have the the the, the, the strategies of a Jim Graff or the grace that helps you do that, then I can just steal them in the name of Jesus, you know. And so, Michelle and I, when we heard you uh, speak about this, it was years ago. We started this. We realized we weren't doing that, and many pastors like me, uh, maybe like in my case, I, I grew up blue collar. And fun wasn't part of the equation. My dad never came home and said, hey, I want to have fun. Now, some blue-collar dads did. My dad was a first-generation American, and his father came over here not wanting to starve to death. Fun was getting ahead. Exactly. Yeah, to him. Yeah. Exactly. Survival, yeah. paying your bills, get your work done, that's what you do. 
and you can have fun when you're dead. Absolutely. And so, no, really, I'm <laughs> yeah, just yeah. saying. So, uh, so when Michelle and I both getting married from those kind of backgrounds, we we never thought about and strategized about hey, how can we have fun. You know, Jim, when we started to even think about it and talk about it, we just stared at each other and like, <laughs> what what can we do that's fun? And there's a whole world out there. I, I, if someone could have dropped a million dollars in our lap and you said, well, you could afford to go do anything right now, we were still struggling, you know? <laughs> so you have to be very intentional if you're going to uh, overcome these things. And so that strategy of once a week having a Sabbath day, once a month taking a day just for the, your family or if you have kids at home, your marriage, and then you do a prayer retreat, spring and fall? Yeah. Is that, what, two, three days? Yeah. And yeah. I assume you have a structure for that. And then you have, you have a, 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 a twice a year you take a vacation. Yeah. And... Now, I know some people will say, no, I can't afford that. I don't have time for that. But I think you've proven that that's really time well spent. Well, I can tell you I'm definitely under a yoke. I mean, if you're with me, the six days I'm working, I'm working. Yeah. And uh, so people may not think they can do it, but we have to remember Jesus said, I'll build my church. Yeah. He didn't say you'll build the church. Uh, yes, we do the work of an evangelist. Yes, we nurture people into full maturity as we disciple them. Yes, we uh, multiply ourselves through a whole other generation of ministries. The list goes on and on. There's a lot of work to do in those six days. But at the end, what I found, John, is when I didn't do those things, I could tell I was working, but God wasn't. Oh, man. So it comes back to what Jesus said in Acts 1 when he said, guys, stay in Jerusalem. Basically, yeah. he was saying, wait before your work. Yeah. Don't work and wish you waited. Yeah. Instead, wait before your work. And I found that whenever I made a decision to do these things, though nothing in my flesh wanted to, mm-hmm. there's actually even a little fear in there I had to conquer. Right. Because what's going to happen, you know, I'm holding the world together, God. I'm not sure you right, can do right. that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's basically what you're dealing with. But uh, the other thing that really happens, and this is a beautiful part, and I can say this about watching you and Michelle, because I, I've had really good moments. You said it so well, that we all have strengths and we all have lacks. And I really believe that God designed us with lacks so we'd learn love. Yeah. Because if you don't love people, you're going to have a lot of lack in your life. But, right. but I can look at David Swan and I can say that I have loved my community exponentially better because he's my friend and I've gone to Clovis and watch him, I've watched him love his community. I remember coming here to Pittsburgh with you and Michelle here in Cranberry Township, and I just, I'm just 20 miles away from here. And I watched how this church was built, and I said to myself, I don't know if I would have had the emotional kindness, intelligence, humility, the things that God used for you to reach my friends. Those were critical elements here. And a lot of people were preaching kind of louder and harder in ways that you didn't. Mm -hmm. And now it's like the whole pendulum has swung to that kind of preaching. But you were preaching like that, John, honestly, before a lot of guys I knew were. And I just, I left with Tamara in the plane and I said, man, I have so much respect for how they've sought the mind of God to create the kind of culture that, honestly, I would have never dreamed that this area would have been reached like it's reached uh, through Victory Family Church right now. So I think you're right about our friendships and, and being together and things. We learn from each other. And what I've found is when I slow down and I let God do His work, not only does He do things I could have never done, 
but he also, people follow you better. Yeah. Because they can tell God's hands on you. Right. It's incredible. You know, everybody wants to live a life of fulfillment, and it, we, all want it, we, we all want a fruitfulness, and we want an increase in both. I mean, I think that's, that's godly, in fact. But it requires certain either disciplines or focus. So if I were to ask you, what should I focus on if I wanted to see fulfillment and fruitfulness increase in my life, what would you kind of tell me? John, hey, put your focus right here. Yeah, I would just say that God has called everybody to live a focused life because the Bible says, uh, redeem the time because the days are evil. That's not written to the CEOs. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's written to every single one of us. So there are a lot of planning materials out there that can help you learn what to focus on. But I think it's important you find the one that speaks to you mm-hmm. because some of them are written to CEOs, some of them are, are written to mothers. But at the core of all of them, it's going to speak to the fact that you're either going to drift mm-hmm. and you're just going to settle for less because at least if I settle for less, I won't be disappointed, right? Right, right, exactly. So that's what drifters do. Then you've driven people who they succeed, but I remember when I wanted to, to pursue an athletic career, I was getting driven, and my dad looked at me one day and he said, I just hope somebody wants to come see you play if you ever make it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a great parenting technique oh right goodness. there because he was reminding me I still had to clean clean the house and weed yeah, the gardens yeah. and do the things that make a family a family. <laughs> so oh. people can drift, they can be driven, or else they can just come back to design. And there are abundant tools out there, I think, that can help us do that. I think the best is God's advice to uh, Habakkuk. Whenever uh, he, he said to Habakkuk, uh, Habakkuk said, I'm going to stand at my rampart and I'm going to voice my complaint. Yes. I'm going to see what answer he gives to my complaint. And I really believe every person has complaints in their heart. And yeah. those complaints are calls from God to yeah. do what he puts you on this planet to do. There's a book written on every life, according to Psalm 139, verse 16, and that book is written in you. So you have these complaints that are to turn into the story of your life. So he said, I'll stand at the rampart, and I'll look, and I'll pray, and I'll see what answer he'll give. And God said, okay, write the vision plainly. Don't just be driven. Don't drift. Get it detailed. Write it plain so whoever reads it can run. You can't do much alone. It's going to take a lot of good people with you to get things done. So make the vision clear so they can run with you. And then God said, "You're going to have, it's going to be harder than you think, too. Yes. <laughs> so persevere and stay at it. When it comes to, to persevering, I think one of the uh, most important things in my life have been friendships. Um, and when you think about the kind of friendships that I should prioritize in my life as a pastor, that's a question I'd like you to speak to because I know that a lot of guys I know do not have someone they can call and say, listen, and, and I don't care what the struggle is, what it is, that they can trust, they can open their heart. Uh, just this past week, uh, Michelle and I went uh, to an older pastor that is now retired that has had a tremendous influence in our life. And, uh, and I've talked about him on a former podcast, in fact. I'm going to actually uh, interview him on one at some point soon, I hope. But his name's Claude Robald. And so we went drove over to where he lives in Dayton, Ohio, which is a four-and-a-half-hour drive from here, and got there on a, a Wednesday night. Then we spent the entire day on Thursday processing our lives in the context of our ministry life. And, uh, and even though I wouldn't call, I'd call him more of a father to me than a friend, but, but everything's open. And, and to be able to have those kind of relationships and those friendships are, are huge. And so when it, when, if you were to take a pastor or a leader and say, look, 
these are the kind of friends you got to build around you. You got to we got to get to these because without them, you're, you're gonna you're gonna suffer. And so help us from, form that perspective in our heart as what kind of fr- the friendships, the prioritizing of friendships as a pastor. Yeah, well, I think you have to realize they're necessary. They're not luxuries that you give mm-hmm. yourself in life, but they're necessary. Wow. It's interesting. The Holy Spirit's called a paraclete, right? Yeah. Which means he's the one that's called alongside to help us. But when you get to Hebrews chapter 10, I believe it is, where it talks about not skipping church. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but it says, let us encourage one another daily. And it says if we'll live in that kind of daily encouragement that's proper, then our future is going to become what God wants it to be. Well, that word encourages Pericles. Really? It's I the didn't same know thing. Wow. So we're not just called to have God stand beside us and make things come true, but we have to stand beside each other right. to help things come to pass. And so I'd say the first thing is, you know, get past that mindset that it's lonely at the top. Yeah. We've all heard that. And I like to tell people, if it's only at the top, you won't be at the top for long. <laughs> and, you know, that's why people usually end up with regrets who live that lonely at the top lifestyle. Yes. But I understand why we do it, mm-hmm. because you hear, oh, let's make friends. And then I know one guy that lost his church because he made friends. Right, I mean, right. it, it, they, people got in his house, next thing you know, gossip started, and, yep, yep. And, and the church got messed up. So at the foundation of a good friendship, you can tell when somebody wants something from you and when some, somebody wants something for you. Yeah. And it's okay that people want something from you because we're supposed to bless people. Right. But a good friend isn't the one that always wants something from you. Right. They're somebody that you know that when everybody else would walk out, they'd walk in. That's amazing. Because yeah. they want something for you in life. And to me, when you find that person, then there's another really good scripture in Ecclesiastes 4 that talks about why two are better than one and yeah. the importance of friendship. And one is we've returned on our labor. So if I hang out with you, you're going to get you know, one or two things, and I'm going to get four or five things. So you're a great friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, there's a return. You're, you're both helping each other. Uh, and then it says that you know, if somebody falls down, they'll pick you up. It says that there's a special warmth. You know, there are people that you just know that when they have burdens, you're supposed to cut the sorrow in half. Yes. When they have successes, you're supposed to multiply the joy of those successes. So the things that Ecclesiastes talks about are great in, I think it's Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 to 12. You know, Jim, as we wind this down, I just want to close by talking, just in mentioning the Significant significant Church Network. Significantchurch.com is a website where people can go to understand the organization that exists to do that very thing for pastors to bring significance and, and the opportunity for relationships and, and relational influence into their, into their life, relational capital that we, we need to spend in ways that we die without it. And when your pockets are empty and you don't have any relational capital to spend and you've got to bear burdens alone, there's, there's some, some things we were not, we were just not meant to, to, to process things alone. And so I want to encourage people to, to go to the website, if you're a pastor, to, to become a part of the organization. The resources on there are remarkable. There are significant church uh, exchange conferences all over the country. And so I really encourage people to, to not just listen to a podcast, but to take a next step. 
and go on the website. You can hear in great detail and specificity things that, that are in Jim's heart that he's shared and then other resources that are just abundantly available on the website and the ability to connect even to the movement and, and to serve and to be served by it and to serve one another. And so, Jim, thanks so much for taking the time to, to do this with us today. We are so grateful, and I hope every one of you listening will take some next steps and take these things seriously so your life can really be the life God intended you to have. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Thanks again for tuning in to the John Nuzo Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to rate, review, and share this podcast on iTunes. It's a great way to get the word out and to help others grow as leaders. We'll see you back here next time for another episode of the John Nuzo Leadership Podcast.